There's a reason why in Florida, professional wrestling was deemed an essential business. Because it kicks ass. This is Heel Turns and Headlocks. And this is Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. I am your co-host, Brian LaPrey, and with me, back on these episodes with me, it was lonely without him, the Olympic hero, Bear DiGiulio. Not an Olympic hero, and it's good to be back, brother. I wasn't going to do a New Japan episode with you. I Look, I love New Japan as much as the next guy, but I would have. it would have been like other episodes where I'm just sitting there like, yeah, Brian, yeah, keep going, yeah. <laughs> I, I ride his coattails, ladies and gentlemen. That's just the bottom line because Bear said so. And that is where we're picking up. That's because we're Bear said so, and that's the bottom line. Well, that sounds like the topic of goats, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin in that debate. A lot of people in that debate, I'd say. At least, you know, there's we could give you five, six off the top of our head. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin in The Rock from the Attitude Era. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair from the 80s slash early 90s. The Undertaker. But what about the other people in that debate? What about the legends, bona fide, certain, certified, some kind of word like that, legends who deserve a little bit more consideration when it comes to the GOAT debate and when it comes to whether or not they are, in fact, the GOAT. And Perhaps they're not. Perhaps there are other wrestlers who are over them. But perhaps they should be mentioned a whole lot more often than they are. And we are here to make the case for them. Now, maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. Whatever it may be, please text us. Comment on our posts. Like, share, do whatever you want to do. Let us know. Feedback is always welcome. Agreements, disagreements, whatever it may be. We're here. Reach out. Make it clear. And on that note, well, if you wait until the end of the episode, you'll get a phone number. And damn it, if you text it, you get a free shirt. How many times? Do I... I'm making us look bad. I'm desperate and clingy. Uh... Same. <laughs> well, the reason we are doing this episode today, ladies and gentlemen, is because Kurt Angle, one of the greatest of all time, recently tweeted out and i quote thank you to bear for pointing this out to me one of my favorite feuds referring to his feud with john cena i can her <coughs> i can her wow i consider cena the greatest wwe superstar of all time john was consistent and dominant for 15 plus years nobody has done it that long specifically in wwe hashtag it's true now Perhaps you think that is true. Perhaps you think it's blasphemous. But we're here to tell you why the guy who it used to be cool to hate and now it's just kind of dated. Well, he's a legend who deserves a bit more consideration in that GOAT debate because love him or hate him, Bear, John Cena was exactly what Kurt Angle said he was. And that's on top of professional wrestling for 15 years and really that type of longevity in that position is rare we've discussed on this podcast quite a few times actually just how much we love and appreciate john cena the man's resume speaks for itself i think it's clear as day he's a first ballot hall of famer whatever that means right i mean there are a lot of guys in the hall of fame that shouldn't be i digress that's another episode for another day listen Everybody said Cena sucks. Everybody said he couldn't wrestle. And yet, match of the year after match of the year after match of the year after match of the year. That Raw 2007 match against Shawn Michaels. That Money the Make match in 2011 against CM Punk. That SummerSlam match with Daniel Bryan. That Last Man Standing match at Payback against Bray Wyatt. 2016, AJ Styles at SummerSlam. This episode is all about, you know, guys who deserve, who deserve, Jesus, 
guys who deserve more consideration in the GOAT debate. And everybody can, you know, Bray mentioned those names earlier, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold, The Rock. Easily probably everybody's Mount Rushmore, which, you know, if you want to hit listen to our Mount Rushmores, go back and listen to those episodes. They're pretty good. John Cena deserves more consideration. Yeah, cheap plug, but forget it. I'm going to try not to swear. Uh, No, I said forget, not F. Yeah, I was close. Expectations have been lowered. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, we talk about guys who deserve the consideration, and that's why Kurt Angle tweeted that, you know, recently. John Cena deserves it. John Cena deserves consideration for the GOAT, and Again, I said it before, his resume speaks for itself. 16-time world champion, five-time United States champion, four-time tag team champion, money in the bank holder, two-time Royal Rumble winner, a lot of slammies if that makes you if that's what does it for you. John Cena, it, you know, we've talked about I, I said this before. We've talked about it. One of the best of all time. He deserves more credit and that's what we're doing this podcast, brother. That's why we're doing this episode. Guys yeah. like John Cena. And there are a couple other names here that, you know, deserve more consideration. But John Cena is definitely at the top of that list. Absolutely. And look, John Cena, maybe it was fun to chant, you can't wrestle at some point. But at some point, we all had to concede the guy can wrestle. You don't have multiple classic matches. And he did have multiple classic matches. I mean, hey, as recently as 2016, he and AJ Styles stole the show at multiple pay-per-views. The guy is incredible. And a lot goes into being a top star in professional wrestling that maybe we don't think about. You know, the expectations of always being there. You know, the minimal time off when you get injured. I mean, we've seen John Cena suffer a severe injury and then be back within four or five months when the projected timetable was closer to a year. You know, we've seen this guy as a workhorse. And that's something that I think even the people who dislike him respect about him. I think... What makes John Cena's legacy, however, is the fact that you don't see many of those top guys who are then, and you know, we all say, oh, the golden shovel. John Cena had the golden shovel. John Cena, still in the prime of his career, and you could genuinely argue that this chapter I'm about to discuss was the best wrestling of his career. A 16-time WWE slash World Heavyweight Champion. The most WWE Championship reigns ever, which automatically puts you in the GOAT discussion. I don't care if you like them or not. The guy humbles himself enough to not only win the United States Championship, but really take it upon himself to restore the purpose and importance of that title and to use it to create new stars. His feud with Kevin Owens over the United States championship was huge. I know that not everybody liked what happened at WrestleMania, but his feud with Rusev gave Rusev a main event level feud for the first time in his career, or at least of that magnitude. His match with Cesaro for the United States Championship was incredible. His match with Sami Zayn, had Sami Zayn not gotten hurt, that likely would have propelled Sami Zayn to the push as a face that a lot of people were hoping he would get. You know, John Cena did an incredible job as the United States Champion, and that's something that always sticks with me, where it's like, look, A lot of guys aren't lucky enough to get to that stage of their career. You know, Stone Cold's neck prevented him from it. So we can't say definitively whether or not Stone Cold would have taken that same level of pride in doing something similar to what John Cena did. And we all know the stories about John Cena from the 2000s where, oh, he won't put this person over. He wants to beat that. Doesn't matter. If you look at the full arc of his career, from where he started to where he possibly ended based on his Firefly Funhouse match with The Fiend. I, I don't think there have been many more, many stories better and many evolutions more intriguing than what we saw from John Cena. And to be that guy in the number one slot and be that guy in the United States slot it, it takes the ability to humble yourself and not many people are willing or able to do that. 
and he did. And that is something that always sticks with me about Cena. And I don't know if you remember this tweet from a certain man by the name of Vincent Kennedy McMahon for John Cena's birthday, but he called John the Babe Ruth of WWE. Babe Ruth, widely considered as the greatest of all time in Major League Baseball. So if Vince McMahon says it, I think there's some legs there to stand on, right? Yeah. And look, if if you don't believe John Cena is a GOAT candidate, well, maybe you believe the guy who said he's a GOAT candidate is a GOAT candidate. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the actual Olympic hero. Sorry, Bear. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is, I mean, there aren't many words to describe how damn good Kurt Angle was. And if you put GOAT aside for a quick second and just talk about who the best ever inside of the squared circle was, just from bell to bell, I would challenge you to find anyone as complete in the ring as Kurt Angle. The guy came in to WWF at the time, you know, WWF at the time and just <sighs> did anybody really see it coming? You know, he came in in 1998 debuted and immediately just hit the ground running, you know, became European champion, held the intercontinental championship simultaneously with the European championship. Uh, came in, won the WWF championship just a few years after his professional debut. Killed it in the ring with everybody he stepped in the ring with. Matches with Chris Benoit, matches with Chris Jericho, matches with that match with King of the Ring with Shane McMahon is one that'll go down in the history books. That visual of Kurt Angle doing the belly to back suplex to Shane McMahon through the glass at King of the Ring is an iconic image. Yeah. And like Brian mentioned, you know, put Goat aside for a second. I don't think, you know, a lot of people say Ronda Rousey really picked up on pro wrestling when she came in, but. Nobody in the history of this sport came in with just little to no background experience besides Olympic wrestling. Olympic wrestling and pro wrestling are obviously two very different things. You know, everybody knows that. But he came in and just the technical prowess he came in with and just picked up with, picked up on and everything of that nature. He's, he has to be considered one of the greatest of all time. Everyone he stepped in the ring with was just better. Because they stepped in the ring with him. And above all else, like, I didn't see it coming, but the dude was insanely entertaining. He was the epitome of what sports entertainment and pro wrestling was all about. You think about the amazing feud he had with Triple H for Stephanie McMahon. Or when he was singing songs with Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Epic, epic times on the microphone especially in tna when he was kind of more himself yeah we have to talk about that tna um career you know brain and i are huge tna guys as you guys know yeah he did it all in tna he really was the reason that tna was a viable competitor for a long time to wwe yeah. Obviously they were never going to overtake WWE as the number one promotion in the world. You know, WCW tried that TNA tried it, but they really hit the ground running when TNA signed guys like sting guys like Hulk Hogan, all those guys like, Holy crap. Like TNA, we got something cooking here, but Kurt angle was that guy where it's like, okay, now we're, we really got something here. Yeah. Look, Kurt angle was everywhere. He went, he was immensely successful, right? As an amateur wrestler, he was obviously a legitimate Olympic gold medalist. That that's something. And I, I guess the way the best way that I can put it is a lot of wrestlers, a lot of the GOAT level wrestlers, there are people who try to emulate what they did, right? And try to become what they were or follow in their footsteps, however you want to put it. And that's not a bad thing but you don't see many people who are the next Kurt angle. There was one Kurt angle and and look, I love guys like Chad Gable. I thought Jason Jordan was very entertaining. You know, Dolph Ziggler, obviously accomplished amateur wrestler and you have Brock. Yes, absolutely. But Kurt angle was just, you, you don't get to say this many times in wrestling. Kurt angle was one of a kind. 
And Bear said the phrase sports entertainment. Whether or not you like that phrase of sports entertainment. I have to say something really quick before Brian returns that he did all of that with a broken freaking neck. He won the Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. And if I didn't say that, I would have been upset with myself for not mentioning that. Um, Everything that Angle did in TNA, in WWE, he even won the WCW championship at one point, the WCW United States championship. Unreal, you know, his TNA record or career, just unreal. Everything, just take it away, Brian, because I can't. I, I've done it again. <laughs> Lost for words. Podcaster, good job. There we go. What, what I was trying to say is Bear said sports entertainment, and whether or not you like that phrase, sports entertainment, sports entertainment. Wrestling is, to some degree, sports and entertainment. That's what it is. It's soap opera it's dramatic it's sci-fi it's all these different forms of entertainment mixed with sports so while we can hate what that phrase sports entertainment and sports entertainer has become that is the core of professional wrestling at least at the highest level in the united states over the past i don't know however long professional wrestling has been around right that that's just what it is even today you have characters like the fiend and you know pentagon and and all these guys were kind of over the top characters but that that makes it that that drives our passion for this and then you have the incredible wrestlers you know the daniel bryan the aj styles you know those guys were incredible in the ring and it's not to say that either end of them can't also succeed in the other realm it's not to say that the wrestlers can't be entertainers or the entertainers can't be wrestlers my point is simple when you say sports entertainer has anyone ever and i would say rick flair might be the only one who competes with kurt angle when i say this is there a better epitome of not only the sport aspect but also the entertainment aspect in one wrestler what i mean is when you make a list of the greatest ever. And I, and I ask you simply, tell me who you think was both elite as a wrestler and an entertainer. How many people are on that list? There aren't too many. There aren't, you know, like if we're talking truly elite, truly top of the line in both regards, there aren't many people on that list. You have Ric Flair, you know, you have a pre neck injury, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, I won't tell you everybody who's on it because there's one guy who's on that list who we're going to name in a little bit, but Kurt Angle is not only on that list. I'd argue that he's at the very top. I'd think I'd say that he and flair are kind of alone in a tier, maybe with one guy we're about to mention where they could entertain you on the mic. They could get you to feel something genuine with their character work and then go out and have one of the best wrestling matches you've ever seen in your life. Kurt Angle was everything. And, you know, look, we've talked about it. Bear said it. We're huge TNA fans. We are. We grew up on TNA. We grew up on early 2000s SmackDown. Maybe we're biased. We'll admit that. But we try to be as objective as possible. When you look at it through an objective lens, TNA was a legitimate number two company in professional wrestling, not just in the United States, but the world. They had contracts with New Japan, Dragon Gate. They had contracts with AAA and CMLL. They worked with all of these other titans from around the world. They ultimately went to England before it was cool to go to England, right? Like they now look at WWE in the state of wrestling as a whole. It's international. TNA was kind of spearheading that while also making some terrible decisions along the way. Not the point. Point is, that TNA World Heavyweight Championship, at one point in time, was a genuine world championship. It's not hyperbole. It's not nostalgia. That was a legitimate world title. If you include that, Kurt Angle is a 12-time world champion. 12 times. That's a big deal. You're talking about a guy who had iconic matches with the likes of Brock Lesnar, Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, and, I mean, Shawn Michaels. You, 
I say those names and you can see the matches in your head as soon as I say them. That's how good they were. Also had an iconic match, as Bear said, with Shane McMahon. No slight against Shane. Not an easy feat. To be fair, Shane was considered the best in the world at one point. So You are correct. You are correct. And damn it, I will argue Kurt versus Shane as a five-star match until kingdom come. But that's another topic for another day. Point is, he then went to TNA and he did the same thing with guys like Samoa Joe, with guys like Sting. He, he Kurt Angle, he is the epitome of the phrase, the complete package. And I, I think because we saw maybe an end to his career that wasn't all, I guess, pleasant to watch, right? We saw the broken down version of Kurt Angle where he went from the guy who was just, come on, man. Like you're talking about a guy who was a two-time division one champion, an Olympic gold medalist, the one of the, probably the smoothest athlete in wrestling history, just in terms of how crisp everything he did was. And then he's kind of like, he's struggling to move in the ring. Maybe that has changed things. I, I don't know. But I encourage people to look past the past few, the last few years of his career and just evaluate what he did in his prime and when he was really just at the top of his game. And Bear, I don't really think there are many people who were better than Kurt Angle. I really don't think there were many people who were as good as Kurt Angle, quite frankly. And I think he absolutely should be in the GOAT debate and the GOAT conversation. I think that if you have him in your top 10 all time, I'm with you. If you have him in your top five all time, I might have to join you. And if you have him as your goat, you will never get an argument from me. Unless, of course, you're putting him up against this next guy who happens to be one of Kurt Angle's greatest rivals. And there's a reason we haven't said his name yet. Because when you talk about sports and you talk about entertainment, Bear, you're, you're talking about Eddie Guerrero. One of my goats, for sure. Um, you know... We did an episode recently where we talked about dream feuds and dream matches and all of that sort. And we really wanted to hammer it home that Eddie Guerrero, much like Shawn Michaels, which was one of the dream matches, really revolutionized what wrestling is today. You know, everybody try, you know, not everybody. Most men nowadays are trying to do a frog splash, much like Eddie Guerrero, but there's only one Eddie Guerrero. And we talked about it before how, Kurt Angle was a complete package. Eddie Guerrero was just the complete package as well. Charisma, the it factor. Eddie had it all. He succeeded everywhere he went. You know, nobody will ever forget the ladder match for the custody of a child <laughs> between him and Rey Mysterio. No a one will ever forget. Is now beating up Seth Rollins. What a world. What a year 2020 has been. Eddie Guerrero is somewhere smiling right now that his son is doing the things he's doing. Well, Ray's son. We, we don't really know. We never really saw the papers. You know, we're not going to shy away from the iconic image of Eddie Guerrero at the end of WrestleMania 20 holding up the WWE Championship while his friend Chris Benoit was holding the World Heavyweight Championship with confetti and streamers falling down from the sky. Iconic. Yep. You know, one of the most iconic images in wrestling history. Eddie was just, you know, much like Brian said, it's just like Brian said, if you have him as your GOAT, you'll never get an argument from me. He was one of my favorite of all time. Ric Flair ranked him as one of his top 10 opponents. Chris Jericho even said he was one of the best performers in the world when he was on. You know, everywhere Eddie went, he was successful. He's already a Hall of Famer, which, you know, it sucks that he couldn't have been there to accept the award, but stuff happens. The WCW Cruiserweight Championship two times is one of Eddie's biggest accomplishments. The Cruiserweight division in WCW was really what catapulted Eddie to being the performer that he was until you get to his WWE championship win, his solo win, he deserved way more wins, but who's going to ever forget the imagery of Eddie Guerrero beating Brock freaking Lesnar and celebrating 
with the crowd and the crowd going just bananas. Yeah. One of the top moments of all time in pro wrestling was when he won that championship. And again, we talk about pro wrestling and sports entertainment being com- kind of like two separate entities in a sense, because you could be a good sports entertainer and you could be a pro- good pro wrestler. Eddie was both. Yep. Eddie could go in the ring with anybody. He could do anything. And that's why it was, he was such a pleasure to watch as a face or a heel. It was, you know, especially when he came out with the, the cell phone ringtone. <laughs> can you feel the heat theme music? Iconic. That's that's the only word I can put to it is iconic. Yeah. Look, it, the the biggest testament to Eddie Guerrero is the fact that a week ago on Monday Night Raw, Ricochet pulled in Eddie Guerrero, the smoking gun slamming the steel chair against the mat, throwing it to the opponent, dropping down to the mat, letting the referee think that somebody hit you in the head with a chair. They get disqualified, you win the match. It's classic Eddie Guerrero. And that's the thing about Eddie. And I think this is an ability where it's unfortunate because we only got you know brief stretches of Eddie. He had his demons. We're not going to get into that. He overcame them. That's incredibly admirable. But the brief stretches we got from Eddie Guerrero were just unbelievable. Unbelievable. In WCW, his match with Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc 1997, not only one of the greatest matches ever, but it's a match that almost every wrestler who's under six feet tall will refer to when they talk about why they became a wrestler. That is a big deal for me, at least when we talk about go. And I know for bear as well is influence. And Eddie Guerrero has influenced countless wrestlers, male, female, anybody, you know, you, you pull wrestlers about who their favorite wrestlers are Eddie is usually high on the list. I think the ultimate testament to him, and, and, you know, we said this about Kurt, as Bear said, you know, the sports and the entertainment. I think on the entertainment side with Eddie, what separated him from almost everybody was as a face, he could make you cry. Like, if you didn't cry the first time you watched Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, you're full of crap. That's one of the most emotional moments in wrestling history. And his promo about addiction when he was feuding with Randy Orton is one of the all-time great promos. Again, a tear-jerking moment on behalf of Eddie Guerrero. And then you go on the flip side, when Eddie was a heel, oh my God, no one could make you hate them like Eddie Guerrero. Like I know we joke about it now, the whole, you know, custody on a what on a ladder match, you know, ladder match for custody of a child. That's so ridiculous. When it happened, I mean, come on. When it happened, that was that was as genuine of hatred as any wrestler has ever elicited. And and that was a consistent theme throughout Eddie's career. I mean The guy is still a meme. He passed away 15 years ago. He's still a meme. Any mention of the name Eddie Guerrero brings a smile to people's faces. He had it in spades. He could work the mic. He could work the ring. And, you know, as Bear said, the sport aspect as well. I mean, he was successful in New Japan. He was successful in ECW. He He was successful in WCW. And then he was successful in WWE. I mean, his, not just, you know, that second run in WWE, but that first run in WWE, when the radicals came over, it changed the landscape of professional wrestling. When Eddie had the storyline with China, that's one of the most iconic storylines of the entire Attitude Era. Latino heat. People still wear that shirt. Watch a Bad Bunny music video. The guy was, he he had everything and it Maybe what disqualifies him from the GOAT conversation for some people is, you know, I guess the the gaps where he was maybe not in professional wrestling or not in the spotlight. But when he was, we've rarely seen anyone do it better. 
And I, I guess the ultimate testament to that is there is a famous quote from CM Punk. If I butcher it, I'm sorry. And that is, I thought I was good. And then I wrestled Eddie Guerrero. And on that note, the next name on this list is the one that might cause some of you to leave. We apologize if that's the case. But if you want to hear us make our case, we'll do our best. And that case to be made is for CM Punk. Best in the world. Plans. On the mic. On the mic. In the ring. On commentary. He can do it all. And he was a huge, he continues to be a huge influence on many current wrestlers. Guys like Seth Rollins stated, you know, his punk's influence on the Chicago wrestling scene was responsible for him becoming a wrestler in the first place. Adam Cole told Sports Illustrated that, you know, CM Punk was a huge influence on him, especially on the independent scene. Rhea Ripley mentioned punk's verbal skills as something she aspired to be like. This current generation of stars. You know, we give credit where credit's due to men like Triple H who really changed the landscape in terms of how NXT is run and operated, right? Based on how the successes of um, independent talent coming in and making immediate impacts. You can't write the story of WWE anymore without mentioning CM Punk, primarily because he was the first quote-unquote independent guy to really break the glass ceiling. I don't think it was in anybody's forecast that CM Punk was going to become a WWE champion for 434 consecutive days. It wasn't in the forecast. It wasn't on anybody's radar that CM Punk was going to almost defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania before Taker's streak was broken. You could have made a legitimate claim for Punk to beat that streak, you know? He unceremoniously left a couple of years ago, but fans in arenas, especially Chicago, I know it, like they will not stop cheering his name because of the impact he made. Yeah. On top of his two time ROH tag team title wins, both with Cole Cabana and one world, uh, one, one world championship win in Ring of Honor. He was a killer world heavyweight champion in WWE. He held the tag team title with Kofi Kingston at one point. He was an intercontinental champion, a two-time money in the bank holder. Look, I wouldn't be mad at you if you considered Punk one of your greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time, because again, he, much like Eddie Guerrero, much like AJ Styles, much like many men that we've mentioned before on this podcast, he really did revolutionize pro wrestling when he, again, broke that glass ceiling. And to this day, people still want him back. We don't know if he'll ever return. If he does return, we hope it's in front of a live audience. It's one of those things where this generation of talent, you know, guys like Seth Rollins, guys like Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, you can make a claim that they may not be as successful as they are on mainstream television, if not for CM Punk, right? I don't even think it's an argument. I think it's just a fact. You know, you can love punk, you can hate punk, you can feel however you want. But if you want to look at this through an objective lens, let's take it way, way back. Let's take it back to the independent scene. For those of you who, like Bear and I, grew up in the early 2000s, and we're really in wrestling for the first time in that time. We didn't have tape trading like in the 80s and 90s. What we had was, well, things like LimeWire and Kazaa, taking it back. And, you know, FrostWire, whatever you had. And, and before there was YouTube and we had all these things that we somehow used to transfer all of this wrestling stuff across the world. The feud between CM Punk and Raven help define the growth of professional wrestling on the independent scene. And from there on out, CM Punk just kept raising the bar, not only in Ring of Honor and IWA Mid-South, his feud with Chris Hero to this day is regarded as one of the greatest and most influential feuds in, inter- in excuse me, independent wrestling history. Plain and simple. You move on, you look at Ring of Honor, where he was the world champion, where 
he had a great match with AJ Styles to crown the first ever Ring of Honor Pure Champion, where he and Samoa Joe had countless classics, five-star classics, no matter who you ask. You move on, and you go, well, what about when he got to WWE? What about when he got to WWE? Look at the landscape of WWE when he got there. Who were the guys who weren't homegrown talent? Booker T never won the WWE championship. A five-time WCW champion. One of the most popular wrestlers ever. Have you ever gone back and watched a Booker T match? The music, the pyro, the flames, the swagger as he walks down to the ring, the crowd reaction. That dude was world champion through and through. He didn't get it. Rob Van Dam got it for two, three weeks. Ric Flair got it and got the sixth match out of 10 on a WrestleMania card when he was the WWF champion. I'm not here to judge Vince McMahon, but if you look at this through an objective lens, if you were not a homegrown WWE talent, you rarely got to the top. And yes, you have guys like Eddie Guerrero. One time. And I'm not using that against Eddie. We just praised him and we will continue to praise him. But you look at CM Punk's ascension and everybody goes, well, this guy's a jerk. People backstage didn't like him. I can't comment on that. I wasn't there. I'll take you at your word and I won't fight it. What I do know is that there was a glass ceiling, just as Bear said. A glass ceiling that... Had CM Punk lose his World Heavyweight Championship by not even wrestling in the match? A glass ceiling that existed where, hey, what about Daniel Bryan who lost in a couple of seconds to Sheamus at WrestleMania? Daniel Bryan and CM Punk both were instrumental in the growth of independent wrestling as well as the opportunities that independent wrestlers now receive or non-WWE guys now receive. But CM Punk was the one who broke that ceiling. It's that simple. 434 days is the longest WWE championship reign since Hulk Hogan held it for four years in the 1980s. It has been 32 years since Hogan lost that title, and only one man has had a longer WWE championship reign than him, and that is, or excuse me, a championship reign that even comes close to his. And it's Punk. That's it. That's a very short list. And you can argue this and that, and you can talk about whether or not you liked him and this. That's fine. CM Punk versus John Cena will forever stand the test of time as one of the greatest matches in WWE history. The pipe bomb changed wrestling. Has it become overhyped and this and that? I don't really care if it has. I remember watching it in the moment and I remember CM Punk saying everything that every fed up WWE fan who had no alternative because TNA had gone downhill at that point, not the point, He said everything that everyone had been feeling for years. He was exactly what he claimed to be, and that is the voice of the voiceless. CM Punk is an absolute GOAT candidate. If you look at his influence on independent wrestling, if you look at his influence on WWE, Seth Rollins cut that great promo right before WrestleMania talked about without him, there is no NXT. He built this place and that's true, but without CM Punk, there is no Seth Rollins. So without CM Punk, we don't see AJ Styles come into WWE the way he did. We don't see Samoa Joe. We don't see Seth Rollins. We don't see Adam Cole. We don't see everything that we're seeing today. And yes, eventually somebody was going to break the mold, right? But look at even the Daniel Bryan evolution, the B-plus player storyline. That was a storyline because it was based on real life. CM Punk got the same thing. He has tattoos. At some point, he had long black hair. They were never going to push him. Punk broke the mold, and, and he made it possible 
for a new breed of wrestler to come in and succeed in the biggest wrestling company in the world. And love him or hate him, for me, that puts him in the GOAT discussion. And if you aren't a big fan of recent history, fine. If you love the Attitude Era, like so many others, fine. If you were less of a wrestler guy and more of a sports entertainer guy, or woman, either way, fine. The last wrestler on this list of five, and you know we're going to have an honorable mention, don't worry. Well, Bear, I think that he might be the most underrated, despite everybody knowing how good he was. Everybody knows his name. Everybody knows his history. But is anyone more underappreciated, there we go, than Triple H? Isn't it funny that a guy that has held the heavyweight championship a total of 14 times can, can be considered underrated? And yet, there's no doubt in my mind that Triple H's, Triple H's legacy, you know, there's a reason that we put him on this list. He's There's a reason we kind of saved him kind of the best for last in a sense, even though we got a couple more names on the honorable mention list. Triple H is easily... Easily, easily, easily one of the greatest of all time. Look, when he was that top heel, the top guy in 2002 in particular, everybody wanted to see this guy just get his butt beaten. I said butt, not the AWS word. When he was world heavyweight champion, they literally handed it to him. It was almost like they were calling the trolls out. This was when the internet was starting to become more prevalent in the world of pro wrestling. And everybody was crying. They're only doing this because he's married to Stephanie McMahon. He's playing politics there. We're, we hate this guy. And yet you can't, it's, it's much like punk, much like everybody on this list. You can't tell the story of pro wrestling without talking about, and I'm going to piggyback off of a brain point that we he mentioned before we started recording. A kid from Greenwich, Connecticut. Rich, snobby neighborhood. But one of the greatest of all time. Trained by Killer Kowalski. I mentioned it before. 14-time world heavyweight world champion. You know, one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. I think everybody remembers that reign in particular when Stone Cold was heavyweight champion and they were the two-man power trip and they held the tag team titles as well two-time royal rumble winner he's a former king of the ring it's it's unbelievable to think that a guy like this could be considered underrated but i wouldn't be mad at you if you considered him the goat because again this guy's done it all especially as a heel he's one of the greatest heels of all time above all else even to this day, if he were to come back and realign the authority and give everybody what's quote unquote best for business, yeah. people hated that. And yeah. that's what made him such a great heel when he aligned himself with Seth Rollins, when he became WWE champion so far in so late into his career. And everybody was like, Oh, he's doing this cause he can hell. Yeah. And he's that damn good too. Yeah. He said that in a promo himself. You know, he he led stables such as Evolution, which is one of the greatest stables of all time. He was also a part of one of the great another one of the greatest stables of all time in Degeneration X. I know I give the Hall of Fame flack, but I wouldn't be mad at it if Triple H was like a three-time Hall of Famer. Between his time in Evolution, between his time in DX and be, and his time as an active competitor solo. Hell, as an executive vice president or whatever the hell his job title is right now, NXT isn't NXT without Triple H. Adam Cole isn't this badass in NXT without the guidance of Triple H. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. You can't Again, you can't tell the story of professional wrestling without talking about the game, the king of kings, the cerebral assassin, the man with a 
ton of nicknames, but they're all warranted. They're all deserved. Unreal, right? Just a hell of a career. Just a guy that has done it all and could, you know, at his age could still do more, right? Look, Triple H, I think the best way you can put it is, what do you want? You want a great feud? His feud with Kurt Angle. His feud with Chris Benoit, his feud with Randy Orton, his feud with Daniel Bryan, his feud with Cactus Jack slash Mankind, Mick Foley, whatever you want to phrase it as, his feud with Shawn Michaels. What do you want? You want great matches? I mean, run them down. WrestleMania 20. I mean, his Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, the year before the match with The Undertaker. He's stolen the show with countless opponents. I mean, the SummerSlam match with Shawn Michaels. You want great promos? Triple H has them in spades. You want to see somebody be genuinely hated as a heel? Triple H is that guy. And you want to see somebody be genuinely loved as a face? I challenge you to find a single crowd as incredible as when Triple H made his return from injury. The guy was everything. And if you talk about those guys from the Attitude Era and this includes post-neck injury Stone Cold. I don't know if there was a better wrestler amongst those top heavyweights than Triple H. The guy had everything. And his career story is impeccable. It's like Bear said, this rich snob from Greenwich, Connecticut, who then has to go out there and prove that he can be as sadistic as Cactus Jack. And that sets in motion this career where he's bloodied in almost every pay-per-view it seems and using that sledgehammer and becoming this hated heel and then you want a moment how about when the undertaker comes out for the first time in almost a year and as soon as the undertaker's music cuts off triple h comes out right after him and they just stare each other down and you know wrestlemania it's on triple h is just he did it all and he had it all. You know, we always say if you built a wrestler from the ground up, it would look like Randy Orton. I don't disagree, but I think you could easily make a case that they might also look like Triple H. The dude was jacked. The dude was a great face, a great heel. The guy could do it all. He's feuded with the best of the best, and either he's held his own or exceeded what they did. And as Bear said... You're talking about a guy who was the leader of two of the greatest factions in wrestling history, DX and Evolution. Both of those, I mean, you remove those factions from WWE history, wrestling history, wrestling isn't the same. Was he maybe put in a position that was a little forced at times? Sure. You could say that about most every GOAT contender. It just comes with the territory. You're the top guy. I, I think the best praise that I've heard Triple H be given, and it was also sent to The Undertaker, is from the Ruthless Aggression documentaries, when I believe it was JBL was talking about that awkward period where The Rock left, Stone Cold retired, and there was nobody on top. You lost your top two guys in one fell swoop, more or less. And JBL said it best. When there came lulls and when there were times when there was nobody who was defined on top, you could always trust Triple H and The Undertaker. And maybe that doesn't fit your criteria for GOAT. That's fine. That's fine. But the reality is, those are rare breeds of wrestlers. Those are guys who are in that position for a reason. They're trustworthy. And I and that seems like a weird thing to say about a wrestler, but Triple H, it's if Triple H is involved, you know it's going to at least be something that you need to watch. Maybe good, may not be good. I can't predict that, but the authority, as much as people hated it, kind of missed them. And you know what? That Stephanie and Triple H element, they leaned into that for almost 20 years. That was what the whole iconic Mick Foley feud was built around, getting him fired, abusing that power. 
Triple H, I mean, he did it all, man. He's second ever Grand Slam champion in WWE history. That alone is a testament to his greatness. As Bear said, he should be a three-time Hall of Famer. Triple H had it all. He did it all. And maybe he's not the GOAT, but the fact that he never even gets brought up in the discussion is pretty unfair to what he was able to do in the ring and on the mic. And, of course, as Bear said, without Triple H, there's no NXT. And we talk about, you know, The Rock, and sometimes people bring up what he's done outside of wrestling as a potential reason for why he's the GOAT. Well, I think you could argue that not many wrestlers have gone on to contribute as significantly to wrestling as Triple H, if anyone. So, hey, maybe Triple H is a wrestler who you just never got behind. I encourage you to go back and watch some of his classic matches and feuds because the guy had it all and did it all. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on to the honorable mentions. That means plural. And that begins with a guy who I think everybody loves, right? Everybody quotes in some capacity. And perhaps most importantly, everybody knows. And that is really a guy who Bear, I would say, is synonymous with professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And that is Macho Man Randy Savage, who, whether you loved him as the Macho Man or hated him as the Macho King, that dude, why don't we talk about him more when it always seems like people are talking about him? It's funny that, you know, we we made mention of it before on a previous episode, but only a two-time heavyweight champion in WWF, iconic intercontinental championship reign, that King of the Ring win, Hall of Famer, widely regarded, you know, a lot of people will tell you that he's one of the greatest of all time, and rightfully so. You don't snap into a Slim Jim without thinking of this man. You don't, you know, he's synonymous with one of the bigger stars in pro wrestling and Hulk Hogan, you know, they ushered in that rock and wrestling era, you know, that elbow drop. He may have one of the best elbow drops of all time. You know, he was just, he had it. We talk about the it factor a lot, but you need it in pro wrestling. You need the it factor. Macho man had it. And it's a shame that he, passed away at the age of 58 and I'm sure he would have continued in some capacity with wrestling, you know, could totally see him as a manager would have loved to see him and Jay lethal go at it on the microphone, you know, black machismo again, one of the, such an amazing character that was, but you know, Randy Savage is just, just that one of the best of all time and the meg the, the mega powers him and hogan the feud he had with rick flair over miss elizabeth these are all just iconic moments and yeah i don't know take it away brain because i've done it again and this <laughs> you're more on the golden era kick right now. So take it away. Cause I suck at this thing. You do not suck. You know, the, the same thing that we said about Eddie could be said about Randy Savage in the sense that it's so rare that you get a guy who can be literally make you cry as a face and literally make you hate his guts as a heel. And, you know, take this with whatever grain of salt that you will, but it's, pretty much a reflection of the times that were in 1988 pro wrestling illustrated named randy savage the most popular wrestler of the year and one year later in 1989 they named him the most hated wrestler of the year kind of hard to flip that switch randy savage could do it in a heartbeat that's impressive (laughs) very impressive And, and you know that that i think was the beauty of the macho man character obviously there's the over the top everything, right? He comes out to the song that we all graduate to, you know, he's got these flashy colors and these robes and all, all these incredible things, the glasses, the bandana, all of this, you know, adds to this macho man 
almost like a lure and aura. And then he takes it off and you see this guy with this frizzled hair, these crazy eyes and this incredible athleticism that could translate to any era. The way he moves around the ring, I genuinely have never seen anyone move like that. It's incredible. He's so comfortable climbing the ropes, jumping to the outside. It's amazing. That that's a personal thing, but that's just something that's always impressed me. You know, I mean, his feud with Diamond Dallas Page in WCW was a big part of what at that time when WCW was still being hot competition for WWF. You know, he and we would really be remiss to sit here and ignore the fact that it's like, as Bear said, that iconic feud and match with Ric Flair over both Miss Elizabeth and the WWF Championship. One of my personal favorite matches of all time was Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. When I talk about making you cry, that was a five-star match through and through. If you're going, how did the Ultimate Warrior have a five-star match? Go watch that match. That thing was incredible. And of course, at the end, when you get to see, spoilers, 35 years later, uh, when you get to finally see the reunion of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, that is the definitive romance storyline in wrestling history. There have been many, some good, a lot not so good. That is the definitive one, and that is incredible. And then we haven't even mentioned the fact that character, promos, attire, music, Miss Elizabeth, all this going for Macho Man, and oh yeah, his match at WrestleMania three with Ricky Steamboat kind of set the tone for what professional wrestling is today. Can't really talk about wrestling. If you don't talk about that. I mean, as we said about Eddie, when you ask people, when you ask wrestlers who their favorite wrestlers are, they usually name Eddie near the top of that list. Same thing with macho man. And more specifically, when you ask wrestlers what got them into wrestling, that match between Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I mean, pretty much on everybody's list of the greatest matches of all time. And that is pretty damn incredible, I would say. And that is why Macho Man, to me, deserves a little bit more consideration. And we acknowledge he does get more talk than the other five on this list a lot of the time. So he is an honorable mention rather than one of the five. And Bear, there is also another honorable mention who I will let you take away. Thank you very much, Mr. LaPrey. Um, I was the one who really wanted to bring this name up because a lot of people talk about the GOAT. A lot of people talk about championship wins and opportunities and all that good stuff. One name in particular I did want to bring up is the master of the reinvention, Chris Jericho. As of October 2020, he's been wrestling for 30 years, which in itself is an incredible feat. And I, I mentioned the the way that he was the master of the reinvention because he started off as just this white meat baby face in Mexico. He was a part of a tag team called the Thrill Seekers with Landstorm and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And then he made it over, you know, to WCW and he was just, you know a basic baby face yet again. And then he makes it to the WWF and there are not many better when it comes to microphone work than Chris Jericho. He debuts in 1999. He becomes Y2J, you know, based off the whole Y2K thing. He's the savior of the industry. And then I don't think anybody sees this coming, but a few years later he defeats stone cold, Steve Austin and the rock in the same night now many of you know stone cold is my goat the rock is widely considered as one of the goats jericho beat them both in the same night yeah you know i felt like we would have been remiss not to include jericho on this list and i know that there's only been two world champions in aew's history however he is the first ever world champion in aew's history you know, I'm kind of going back and forth on his career here a little bit, but he did get a list over, <laughs> which in of itself. And by the way, one of the most compelling parts of the list was that festival of friendship with Kevin Owens. How dare you? Everybody. I'm sorry. I brought that up. I know it, it still brings a bit of a tear to our eyes, but 
you know, everybody talks about his resume and how many titles he's won, but he's a former IW, you know, how do you, how do you talk about the history of wrestling without talking about Chris Jericho and all that he's done? You know, he's one of the most decorated intercontinental champions of all time. You know, he won it nine total times, which it's a lot. Number one. Yeah. And, you know, on top of being the most um, intercontinental champions in WWE history, he's also a former IWGP intercontinental champion. Very prestigious, prestigious title there as well. You know, two-time WCW world champion. Back when it was on in the WWF banner. A couple of United States title runs, a European championship run, a hardcore championship run, seven total tag team title wins. He's he's decorated, right? Above all else, he's done a lot in pro wrestling. A friend of mine would have been mad at me if I didn't include Chris Jericho on this list. So this is for you, Gonzo. He's still going at it 30 years later, and he's still really one of the pinnacle. You know, he's the pinnacle of AEW aside from Cody Rhodes and current AEW champion, John Moxley. He really was the first quote unquote household name to be brought over to AEW, which was huge for them. I, he's not my goat, personally. He's not Brian's goat, personally. But he's got, he's got, he's got a case. I wouldn't be mad at you if you did consider Chris Jericho as your greatest of all time. I might be a little mad, but I will further his case here. Look, we talk a lot about unprecedented careers, right? Uh, wow, that's never happened before, and, and usually there's hyperbole there, but. When it comes to longevity, there's a short list of wrestlers who have done it at as high of a level for as long as Chris Jericho has done it. Now, yes, his rise to, let's say, prominence began in the late 90s, you know, maybe even the 2000 range, 99, 2000 range. But even still, even if you just start it there, you're talking about somewhere between 20 and 25 years as one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling that's incredible you know we we've talked about the undertaker being a top star in wrestling for 30 years we talk about sting doing something similar you know Rey mysterio doing something similar it's a short list and jericho's on that list i so i do think even though he's not my goat i do think that puts him in a position where he has a stake to the claim right and as Bear said, Jericho has pretty much won everything. The other credit I will give Jericho is there might not be anybody better at recreating themselves. Every time Jericho leaves and goes on tour, he comes back with something different about him, right? So, some Something that's making him almost like a new ver like a new wrestler. You know, a new superstar, a new persona, everything. I mean, he's done it time and time again. It's why he's a multi-time world champion. I mean, but even before then, look at WCW when he had <laughs> 1,001 moves of Jericho, armbar. You know, iconic. His debut in WWF when he comes out and he confronts The Rock. One of the greatest moments in wrestling history, a moment that I would venture to say hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans watch at least once a year that like that is that is legendary and look as bear said when you beat rock and austin in the same night i guess you got a claim for anything you know obviously his feud with Shawn michaels one of the greatest feuds ever uh you know his story with kevin owens was unbelievable he had incredible matches sorry to mention him again don't get mad but Incredible matches with guys like Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Edge, you know, Jericho, he's done it all. CM Punk, you know, he's done it all. He's been everywhere. He's been a key factor everywhere. I, I don't know that he's necessarily been the guy everywhere that he's gone, but he's been one of the top guys everywhere that he's gone. And really, you know, I think one of the biggest feathers in his cap is that 
his decision to leave WCW and go to the WWF was as instrumental as anything else in the WWF ultimately beating WCW. You know, it, it kind of like was the reversal where it was like WCW was like, we're taking the stars that you established for us already. And WWF turned around and said, we're going to take the stars that you're not using and turn them into stars. I mean, that's kind of what everybody's been trying to do with ex-WWE guys for the past 20 years. I digress. Jericho, you know, he kind of started that, opened the floodgates, if you will, had an incredible career, arguably the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. I think he's at least on that list. He's certainly one of the goats of the IC title. You throw in the World Championship reigns, the incredible promos, the classic matches and feuds with anybody you can think of, basically. Jericho is a legend, and whether or not he's your goat, well, we put him on the list to pay respect. And on that note, we won't get sappy with you. We know that we do it every episode. But we will say thank you all for listening, and uh, we have a number to show. So listen up if you want a shirt. 614-450-0366. Also, what a maneuver dot net forward slash collections forward slash heel dash turns dash headlocks we have cool shirts we have cool long sleeves we have hoodies now and i can't wait to get my hands on one we don't have them yet in our hands but we will buy them support it's a cool logo if you don't it's okay we don't mind we just want you to yeah i'm gonna get sappy for a second we want you to continue showing the love and support on social media because it's been incredible and we can't thank you guys enough. The numbers we're seeing again, you know, again, I'm sorry to bring this up wild beyond our imaginations. Brian and I talk about this daily where it's like, Holy crap, things are going really well for us. And we're really thankful for that. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I know Brian's heart too. Thank you. And on that note, Brian, take it home. Bubba. That was beautiful. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening to the latest episode of Heel Turns and Headlocks. We have crossed the 40-episode marker. That's pretty cool. Hey, I forgot about that stat. Thank you. And we have plenty more to come. We are in this for the long haul. Thank you for joining us. So everybody out there, keep on staying safe. And uh, if you can't do anything else, well, number one, wear your mask. And number two, vote. And number three, keep on loving professional wrestling. Boom. You've been listening to Heel Turns and Headlocks with Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon with more. But until then, reach out on Facebook at Heel Turns and Headlocks, on Twitter at Heel underscore Turns underscore Pod, and on Instagram at Heel Turns and Headlocks. We'll see you next time.